and, and we look at Ben and Rachel, how much they've grown, and two years does seem a long time. Um, before we start, um, let's just uh, commit our time to the Lord and um, yeah, just ask him to, to speak to us and to uh, encourage us with all that he does in our lives and um, all he has done for us. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that we can come into your presence tonight. We thank you that it's only because of your love for us um, that we have this privilege to be in union and to be united with you in all that we do. And we thank you tonight that we can come and, and, and share about the things that you've done in our lives and, and the things that you've been given us a privilege to see in China, to see your church, your people, and uh, to see those in need. But tonight, Lord, we just pray that you would honour us and that we would honour you by this time, that we would um, open our hearts to, to hear what you have to speak to us, that you would be glorified in all that we speak tonight. Take our words, Lord, the words that we've prepared and just use them for your glory. And we just pray that your, your presence would be felt. So we pray your blessing upon tonight in your name. Amen. First of all, I, I want to thank you all for coming tonight and just uh, we pray that tonight we will be able to share some of the amazing things that we've been able to see, some of the, the difficult things that we've had to deal with in the last couple of years. But first of all, I just want to thank you for your support, for your prayers. Um, I know that many of you have, have been with us along this long journey. Um, someone, I think it was Ray was talking on, on Sunday about Hong Kong. Um, returning to, um, to the motherland, as we say in China. And Joe and I were actually in Hong Kong uh, those 20 years ago, and it seems like yesterday. 20 years has passed, and, and from that time in Hong Kong, we've been on a journey into China. And it was through your prayers and support over those years that we've been able to, to continue to serve the Lord there. Um, so tonight, share about what's been happening in the last couple of years. There's been many changes um, in our situation uh, and in China. And since we've been back, a number of people asked me, uh, the coffee morning um, on Sunday, people are always asking me, so how is China? What's happening in China? And uh, how are things changing in China? And I've been, I gave an answer. Um, I'm not sure if it was a very accurate answer at the time. And over the last couple of days, um, I've just been pondering on that and thinking about how can I answer that question? Because China is such a huge country and it's such a diverse country. And we live in such a very small part of it. And uh, even though we've traveled extensively, um, it's very difficult to have a feel of what is happening all over that nation. Um, but we hear through the grapevine, we hear through our experiences. And that's what we want to come and share tonight, just what um, has been put on our heart and to share some of those experiences. I think many of us uh, have seen the changes in China. Uh, as I was thinking about this, China has changed so much in the last... I know. <laughs> For us, sometimes it feels like in the last week, a building gets knocked down and then there's another skyscraper that goes up in the matter of an instant. Um, but for us... Um, this is where we live. This is, uh, um, I can say this probably, this is Nanning in Guangxi province. 
Um, and this is the capital city of our province. And um, when we first moved to China, and we, we moved to, to uh, this city, none of those buildings existed. They were paddy fields, and they were um, f- farmland. And suddenly, over the last, really over the last 10 years, this part of the city has just exploded. Uh, and that's just an example of what is happening in China. Um, just in the last five years, you've probably seen um, the bullet trains. And um, it started off, there was trains to the major cities, and suddenly we've just had our, our first bullet trains came um, last year. And just the, the change that has made um, to the people in China, suddenly a journey which took us 12 hours now takes us four. Um, and you can imagine the number of people that are now being able to travel all over the country in an, in an instant, really, compared to the 30, 40-hour journeys that they were making uh, every year. We also have an underground now in our city. Um, recently, it seems that the Premier has decided that every city, major city, needs to have uh, a new airport, a new underground, uh, and a new um, transport system to get the people to move faster. And I think that's part of what is happening in China. China is moving at such a, a great pace. And we're seeing those changes in, in the way that people live. I think that's something that is impacting our lives, is that we're seeing the change in China, but it's the, the impact it's having on people's um, home life, their, um, their values, and their, um, the things that they put first in their life. Wealth, prosperity, um, uh, over family and um, security. We go from these, these major uh, metropolises, plush cities that have everything that you can imagine. When we first moved to China, our friend said, when KFC moves to our city, I will leave. And within a couple of years, they did come and she did leave. Um, now we have an abundance of Starbucks, Pizza Hut, you name it, you can buy it, practically. Um, we even have Louis Vuitton uh, in our city. Not anymore, sorry, they, they left. <laughs> um, but from that affluence and that change in the, in the cities, you can go half an hour or an hour outside the city and you're faced with rural um, land and, and, and poverty, which just, the disparity is so overwhelming to see that you can go from prosperity to people who have nothing. Not to say that they're not happy, but there just seems to be a, 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 such a, a divide. This is the China that we live in. Uh, and some of the things that we were seeing um, is the breakdown in the family units, um, both in the countryside and in, in, in the cities. Because people in the countryside are still migrating to the cities where they see the prosperity. They see that that is where the... the um, they can earn their wealth, they can change their lives, particularly the young people. No longer do they want to stay in the, in the countryside and toil on the land. But they want to go and make their f- uh, fortune, make their, um, their future. But even in the cities, um, we're seeing families are, are facing struggles um, in, in their connection with their children, 
even in their marriages. Uh, and that's the breakdown that's happening in the family um, unit. The Premier has great ideas. He wants his nation to become the first nation of the world. And I don't think it will be long before China surpasses America in, in its wealth and its influence throughout the globe. And this is one of his new initiatives, Idai Ilu, which means one belt, one road. And for some reason, the belt is actually the transport system which runs over land. He's implementing new um, railway systems, there's new roads which are connecting China to the west. And then there's the, the road, which is actually the, the sea links, where they're trying to in, improve and, and re-establish the old silk roads. The links with um, the Asian nations and also transporting to the west, because he sees that as a, a, an important link to maintain China's prosperity. It's interesting, though, I think it was in January, the first train left from China and arrived in London. It took 18 days with the container. Um, I think it was about 50 containers were on the back of that train um, bringing goods, uh, and hopefully goods will go back to, to China from England. Why do I share this? I share this because it's going to impact uh, us, but more importantly, it reminded me that the already had this vision. I don't know if you've heard of the Back to Jerusalem movement. And it started in 1920, and the Chinese church decided that they wanted to reach the, the 1040 window. They wanted to take the gospel back from China to Jerusalem. And as I was thinking about this new Idailu, uh, one road, one belt, one belt, one road, I was just thinking about the possibilities and the, the way that this could actually empower the church new opportunities for them to go overseas in, in business's mission and uh, for the gospel to actually um, be taken quite quicker and faster because of these links that China is making. China is changing fast and there we're, we're seeing that uh, impact the way that we work in China. Um, when we first went to China, it was quite easy for us to, to build relationships uh, and China was welcoming foreign influence, particularly in the social welfare. Uh, we were working in the orphanages. Um, they, they had a need, and they, they didn't know how to fill it, so they, they welcomed that influence. As China becomes more prosperous, they, they don't want to have as much influence from the West because they can care for themselves now or feel that the influence that Westerners are bringing is detrimental to their um, society. Um, we have seen over the years a lot of other cults and um, religious groups are coming in, Mormons or, or the um, Jehovah's Witness uh, are establishing themselves in the mainland, and China sees that as a threat. And there's also the, um, the Muslim influence which is coming in, and China normally will come with a big brush and they will just swipe away whatever um, they feel is a, a negative influence on the community. And I think that's what's happening now. We're seeing um, they've just brought out a new law in the last year that is um, no foreign um, NGOs, non-government organisations, can longer stay established in the mainland. 
um, a lot of um, charities and NGOs are having to leave because they can no longer um, provide finance and support into the mainland um, unless they abide by Chinese laws, um, which are becoming stricter and stricter and restricting them from being able to do the work that they want to do. Um, So that is having an influence on the way that we um, work and and how we can minister in China. And as we've been considering this, our role has changed very much. We no longer feel that, um, as as workers in the mainland, that we are on the front line. Our role now is to become the supporters, to to raise up more local workers, to be um, the ones that are supporting and providing resources if they need them or uh, to provide um, experience and to mentor the local Chinese um, leaders. Um, So our role is becoming more of a training and um, empowership into the local community. And we are becoming more connected with the local church, um, which we've Um, We were connected with the underground church, but over the last year or so, we've actually become um, linked to the the Free Self Church. Um, This was quite a bold step for us. We we always felt that um, that would make us more visual than we've been in the past. Um, And we've done that through the back door, really. We've gone through our... uh, We've started to attend the, um, the English Fellowship, and quite quickly we became more involved than we expected. Um, I think on a Sunday evening, um, Claire could be um, doing sign language, Rachel's in the worship um, singing, and Ben's playing the drums, and sometimes I get to share from the pulpit. Uh, so when we first started going, we, we were trying to um, remain, what's the word, incognito, um, but it didn't last long. We're suddenly, we'd been pushed forward um, but because of this, we've been able to build relationships with the pastor and um, particularly into the Chinese fellowship, which has been an encouragement to us. People have been asking, you know, how is the Chinese church? And the Chinese church is thriving. This was two Sundays ago. Um, this was the, um, there are two baptisms a year. And this was the last baptism. And the last all those that are going to be baptized, and half the church stood up. There's more than 70 people were baptized um, on that Sunday. This is just one church, um, and in our province, uh, there will be over 70 free self. There's two free self churches in our city, um, and that's not including all the house churches which are springing up all over um, China. Yes, there is persecution. Yes, there are restrictions. It's very difficult to put your finger and say there is freedom in one place, um, but when you go to a different place, there will be more stricter controls. There's no clear picture of exactly what is the government is trying to do. Um, they are trying to um, bring control where they're able, but there is obviously... Um, we were talking to someone last week, you know, where one pastor, the house church is arrested um, because they are too influential, the church will just move to another location and will continue and, and continue to flourish. The pastor will be taken away, but that doesn't mean that the church doesn't stop. Uh, and everything, the church grows because of that um, restriction. 
We're going to have time for questions after. Okay, I, I know I'm probably raising a lot of questions that you, you're wondering what, um, what's happening where, and um, we will have a chance to, to try and answer those questions. One encouraging thing about the, our church in particular, this is the, um, the head pastor, um, Pastor Lee, and he has a vision to reach the ASEAN countries. And um, ASEAN is a, um, a trade agreement group for the 10 Asian nations. And his vision is that he will send people out from his church to reach those nations. And already we've had teams go to um, the Philippines, Laos, um, Vietnam, uh, Vietnam, Thailand, and Cambodia. Uh, and in this summer, they're going to go to Brunei. And what has been happening is the connection between um, the English congregation and the Chinese congregation is very strong. Um, he has a, a great respect for the English congregation. Actually, team from the English congregation first. That's a tough word to say, isn't it? From the English congregation first, yeah? Um, and they will sow the seeds and will prepare the way for the Chinese uh, fellowship to go. We've had a number of teams go. Rachel was able to, to attend two of those teams um, last year. So this brings me to what have Claire and John and EMA um, been doing over the last couple of years. As I said, when we first moved to China, our focus was um, mercy ministry, and we were working in the orphanages. We were um, lived um, in a, a home for uh, abandoned and disabled children. Um, but over the years, that, that ministry has changed. And we felt that we needed last, or two years ago, we came to a point where we felt we needed to um, look again at what was God calling us to do? What was our role? And this was the verse that um, uh, spoke to our team. Isaiah 61, 1-3. Um, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, release darkness of the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And we took that verse and we looked at our, our mission statement. Now, our mission statement became um, slightly different. And I want to share this with you because this is what we feel that God is calling us to take us into the, the next um, season. Um, it says, EMA it seeks to promote and maximize well-being of individuals and families in China enhancing their physical, emotional, and spiritual health. We are dedicated to developing awareness and empowering each one of them with the necessary skills to realize their full potential. When we first went to China, we were focusing on children, and, and particularly those in, in need. But as we've been there for so long, we, we see that God has, has opened up doors for us to work in the community, with families, and we see that now um, our, our umbrella is, is much larger, that we have a greater responsibility to uh, reach those in need, no matter what their, their circumstance. 
And we've dovetailed that, that mission statement into um, the verse, you know, that we want to proclaim the good news. We want, that is our, our priority. We're there not just to provide um, care and support, but we want to make sure that everyone that we meet hears the gospel. We want to bind up the brokenhearted. We're making so many people who are in despair. They face so, so many physical or, or mental issues and they don't know how to carry on. And we want to be there to, to show God's and to, to help them to carry on, to comfort them. And our priority is that they will be oaks of righteousness, will be restored and empowered to, to go on and to, to be new ambassadors for God. So this has meant that we've been more involved in training. Um, this was last year that we, we were asked to, to run a marriage course um, for, I don't know why they wanted to ask us to do a marriage course, but um, they thought, obviously thought the 25 years we would have some experience. But um, I, was, I was challenged when we, we, we ran this um, six weeks marriage course. When I asked them, why did you get married? And none of them could answer. They didn't know why they, they got and these are non-believers, and it just seemed to be that it was the thing that you did. You got married, you had children, and that was it. That was the only reason to get married. Um, and we were encouraged by the end of the, uh, our period with them. Um, we got them to, to sign a commitment. They recommitted their marriages together. Because in China... When you get married, it's, it's just basically going to the registry office. Um, I know there was no other connection. They would sign, they would pay their 10, I think it's 10 kwai? 10 kwai. It costs, I think, 6 kwai to get divorced. Yeah? So it costs you a pound to get married, but it costs you 60p to get divorced. Yeah? And, and unfortunately, that is the, the attitude. The, it's an easy-come, easy-go um, kind of situation within the marriage um, we're hoping, we've already been asked to run a, marriage, a number of marriages courses this year, um, particularly for the self-church, and, and we're looking forward to doing that. Um, Claire's been very much involved with training um, um, Santre and counselling. Um, uh, we've done this in a number of special needs schools, and also she was invited to go up to, to Xinjiang, into the far north, to, to work with another um, charity up there. And she'll share a bit more about the, the sand tray and the, um, the counselling that she's been involved with. This is Xinjiang, isn't it? Yeah, this is... Oh, Durban, is it? Okay. So this was a, um, a special needs school in one of the, um, the counties about three hours from us. We've also been doing some um, team building training. This was for... Um, a, a special needs school, and um, we've done some for some kindergartens. Just through connections, through local believers, they've asked us to come in and share with the, um, the workers, many of them who aren't believers, and we can obviously get a chance to, to bring a, a gospel message into uh, our teaching. And then Claire and our Australian um, um, Hong Kong co-worker have been doing some creativity and... Um, counselling training um, in our centre, just to help them. Many of these are, are kindergarten teachers or um, 
um, Sunday school teachers and just to help them to be able to learn. Um, in China, there's, there's a very strict way of learning and, and creativity doesn't often come into um, that way of thinking. And so just to open that idea or to be more creative in the way they teach but also physically how to be more creative with the, the children. Although we said that we, we are um, taking a back step and, and in, um, working um, more with training, we have been some activities. This, this is working with a, uh, alongside a local charity. Um, the, they are all um, local Chinese, and their heart is for children who are on the fringes. Many of these children have um, who are uh, living away or, or working away, and at the end of school, they have nowhere to go. And so this is a drop-in after-school centre. And so we've been going on a couple of um, weekends. Um, Claire has also been going, doing some counselling with some of the children. Um, they have a lot of issues, um, mainly because of they are not receiving the care and the love that they, they need, the nurture that they need. Um, some of them are being um, cared for by their, parent, uh, by their grandparents, and obviously there's a different bond between a parent and a grandparent, and they're not receiving the love that they need. So this, this uh, charity um, is very keen to just to provide some extra support for these children and protect them um, after school. Uh, we've also been invited to do some special needs. Um, all these children have cerebral palsy, and um, this charity works with um, families in the community who are there's very little support for children with disabilities and families with children with disabilities. Um, so we've been excited just to work alongside them. Uh, and this is, again, in, in the north, when Claire went and uh, Pei, our co-worker, went to, to Xinjiang. Uh, these are all uh, young adults, um, all um, deaf or have uh, mild um, disabilities, and they are working in a, a bakery, there um, and they did some team building and a fun activity just to um, give the, the staff some respite but also to have some input into the, uh, these young people and this is just to prove that I do actually do some things now and again um, I seem to be the, the champion scissors paper stone that day alright I'm going to hand over Claire who's going to uh, share about um, you do, do this one. You can have me. It's on, isn't it? Kevin Hello. Does it. Yeah, Kevin does Hello. It. Hello. Uh, on. You're right. Um, it's been two years since we were here. That's flown, isn't it? Um, two years ago, when we were here, our deaf co-workers, Monkey and Hua, who many of you have seen their names on our newsletters, they had a problem. And when we went home, um, they got divorced, which was, oh, sorry, <laughs> um, very upsetting for the whole team. And it kind of, you know, what it did was um, broke down the whole of the work that we'd done for the deaf work. For the, for the deaf people. Um, it's taken us over a year and a half 
to work. Mon- the long story short, it's their story. I won't go into details. But Monkey left. Um, Hua is re- wanted to stay with us. She said, no, this is the place that I've felt the most love, um, which really spoke. Um, so she stayed with our team. And basically, we've nursed her through a year and a half of really difficult time. Um, I'm so proud of her because now she has come through this dark valley and just over the last six months really she's begun to see that yes I can I can make a new life for myself Um, and part of that has been looking at the whole way that we were working with the deaf in the past monkey was very much um, the front man for, for reaching the deaf and Hua was always in the background and and very quiet what's happened is we've seen Hua has just this is Hua um, in the red there. What we've seen is, is she has just blossomed. Um, when, when she was with Monkey, she never made a sound. Um, she just used her hands and didn't say anything. Now she makes amazing noises and she's really trying to communicate with us. Um, and she's just working her way back into the deaf community. And now um, this was at Christmas, was the first time we'd, we'd gone back and we'd said, okay, let's pick it up, let's start again. And we started with a deaf picnic in the park. And she stood in the park. We had some team building games. And Hua stood there and preached the gospel in the middle of a public park in sign language, which is pretty awesome because you get a huge crowd of people coming around you and none of them can understand. So you've got perfect freedom to preach the gospel in the middle of China. It's brilliant. Um, and so now what, the other thing that we realized was what we were doing was we were inviting the deaf community to come into church. And it wasn't working. And what we realize is we need to go out and join their world. So John and I um, have been greatly sacrificial, haven't we? And we've, been, we've joined the local deaf cycling group. <sighs> the last one was to a watermelon farm, which was 120K. Yeah, I know. Pray for me. Yeah, it's not easy. But what happened was we went on this, um, this deaf cycle which was brilliant. We went all up, all up the, um, at, right, way out into the countryside to this um, watermelon farm and had lunch at this, um, this actually, the house actually belongs to some deaf people. Um, and what happened because of that, because of us entering into their world, five of these deaf people are now attending church. We didn't get opportunity to speak to them. We haven't said anything to them. We're just like, oh, we're, we're going to be at church tomorrow night if you want to come. So they've started coming. We now have over 20 deaf people attending the Three Self Church um, English congregation. Um, and that's one of my beautiful translators at the front there. Rachel speaks um, Chinese Sign Language. Um, so there's myself, there's Rachel, and there's a Brazilian lady who's just joined our church who was a Brazilian translator and is now learning Chinese Sign Language. And she, the three of us stand at the front on a Sunday and, and translate as best we can. And there's 20 people um, coming. They all, don't all come on the same Sunday. A lot of them work Sundays, but when there's a, an event, they try and attend. So we're, on average, we have about five or six, don't we? And I was going to do that in sign, and I forgot, didn't I? I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. And we've just started a deaf Bible study because although we translate... Um, the, the normal services, some of the translation is really hard for them. Um, we have one um, speaker who goes very deep. He's a brilliant 
brilliant um, pastor, but he goes very deep into the, the history of the church, and it's just too much for the deaf people. They, don't, they haven't got that basic yet. So what we started from that was a, 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 a totally sign Bible study, and that's happening in our center every Wednesday night and Sunday afternoon, and that, that's a regular thing, and people who come just come and join in, and they ask questions like, who is God? What, is it, what does he do for me? all those basic things, and we just share the gospel with them. Um, and they're, they're, they're asking some amazing questions. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, this is a family that I met. I was driving through the mountains one day, as you do, um, and this lady's um, father jumped, literally jumped out in front of the car. I wasn't going that fast, fortunately. But he jumped out in front of the car, hey, you've come, you've come. And I'm like, yeah, why? He's like, oh, can you come and see my boy? He's not speaking. Um, so I went and... Um, pointy thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I went and examined this boy, and he wasn't speaking. I, I realized very quickly he was profoundly deaf. Um, so what we did was went back into the city. Now, I, I don't know if, if you remember a few years ago, a number of years ago now, John and I fostered a deaf boy for three and a half years. And so because of that, we have really good connections in, the, in our city with the deaf doctors, the deaf school, etc. And so we went back and we said, hey, we've got these, this deaf boy in the village. He needs, he needs really good check-in. Can we bring him in? They're like, yeah, of course, bring him in. Went back to the village um, and found out he's got a little brother who is also profoundly deaf. Um, cut a long story short, we managed to bring them into the city. These, these boys now have hearing aids. They attend a, a speech therapy every day. They have one-hour speech therapy, one-on-one, -on -one, every day. Um, and they go to a, a deaf... It's not a sign-in school. They, all the children have hearing aids, so it's a hearing, hearing aid school. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Anyway, they're all kids are deaf. But they have hearing aids. They don't, get, they don't get taught sign language. Yeah, they get taught to speak. Um, this is their beautiful little new school uniform. Aren't they cute? <laughs> the little one is called um, Meng Jala, which means um, Jala is the most joyful. And his mum said, uh, said to me, his name is Jala, but we don't have joy in our family. In fact, my family don't even want me because I keep having defective children. And so even my brothers and sisters have, have rejected us. We have nobody. Um, nobody wants to know us. They don't, they don't care about us. We're on our own. And she told me one day that her family actually told them, why don't you just ditch the kids? Lose them. They're no good to you. They're defunct. Yeah. Now these little boys attend hearing school. Um, and they're learning to speak, and mum just says, there has to be a God. There has to be a God. If there, if there must be a God that loves me so much that my boys can go to school. I never thought they would. That my boys can speak. I never thought they would. That the, my boys can hear. I never thought they would. There must be a God. And she's downloaded um, an, a little podcast on her phone, um, and she listens to music, and she said to me, I don't know what this music is, but I just feel a sense of peace when I hear it. And of course, you listen to it, it's some gospel message that they get on the radio, and she listens to that every day. Um, we managed, last time I was up there, we shared, um, are you going to share that? 
Is that next? Yeah. We shared this little video, um, which is the gospel in her own language. And she sat there and watched it, and she just cried her eyes out and just said, oh, yes, I want this God. And so now she's a believer. Um, we bought her one of the little MP3 players that I've got on the back table. I know you, some of you have seen those before. We bought her one, and so it, it's basically the talking Bible. Um, she's very, very, um, what is she? She's illiterate, basically. She, they're not, she's not well educated at all. Um, and so to have a listening Bible is really good because she can understand it. She just can't read the word. Um, and so she said, last time I was there, um, she said, she said, oh, Aishin, I'm so sorry. You know that Bible thing that you gave me? I'm like, yeah. She said, I'm so sorry, but I gave it to my husband. Her husband still lives in the village. They've moved down to another area where the school is, and her husband's still in the village. And she said, my husband wanted to hear the Bible as well, so I gave it to him. I'm like, great! (laughs) So we've since bought her a new one. (laughs) So they both have this Bible that they listen to. But this was um, another project that we've been able to work with, and Echoes actually helped us to fund um, towards this project. And it's making... A little, it's only about five, uh, seven minutes, five to seven minutes, depending which language. But in, they're trying to make it in each local dialect, and it's just very simple. We put it on our telephones. You know, everybody's got a phone in China, um, and so you just got the mountain, and you just show them. And it's a little video. He's going to show you a clip. Are you? He's going to show you later. What's first? Oh, he's going to show you this first. This is the little. This is Jala. What he's saying is, Ai Xin, which is my name, Claire, Shi is a beautiful woman. Ai Xin Shi Mei Niu. So cute. But just, his mum was just in hysterics because I was trying to get him to tell him that I was beautiful. <laughs> so vain. But uh, it was just, just the words to, to, for him to make those, those words were just absolutely priceless. His mum was in tears over that. It's great. Okay, the other thing that we're still doing is going up to the village. And this is my lifesaver, really. If I was in the city all the time doing counselling all the time, it would drive me bonkers. So I love to get out to the village. This is just um, where I refresh, really. I go out to the village. And, and again, it's just seeing what the needs are. Um, I've taken different people up the villages, and different people have different ways of doing things. I personally like to go and see what is the need, what can I do. I really feel like, to the, to the, um, particularly to minority groups, to be his hands and feet, like the deaf lady. We didn't go and say, you know, Jesus, you lo- you know, Jesus loves you, you need God. We said, oh, your kids are deaf, how can we help? And from that, she says, wow, there's got to be a God who loves me this much that he would do this for my boys. And that's the kind of thing we do in the villages. We see what are the needs. So... 
you know, it might be an old lady who just needs a, a hug. This lady was just really lonely. She said, oh, all my family have left me, and I'm, I'm the only one in the village. So we just spent time with her. This old Nainai, every time I go in, I clean her eyes. She can't speak to me, but the, the lady that she lives with knows that God is love because I go and clean her eyes every time I go. Um, this, this family, um, the gentleman, he'd, he had been working on the house, and he'd hurt his finger. And it was quite, quite bad, actually. The top of his finger was severed quite nastily, so I bandaged it up for him and cleaned it up. And because of that, because you spend time with them and, and sit with them and eat with them and share their fire, you have access to share. Yeah? Um, and so we've just really had an open, an open door there to be able to go and just share, share, share Christ with them in whatever way. And, and <laughs> I didn't wear it tonight, but for a... <laughs> Last year, John gave me a key, which some of you have seen me wearing. And he said, God will give you the key to people. And everybody has a different key. Some people, it might be, oh, I need to just look after your eyes. Another one was, oh, how, what can I do for your kids? Another one was, like, oh, let's build you a house. Whatever it is, God will give you the key. And because of that, we're seeing open doors and just freedom to share. I mean, it's ridiculous. Here we are in the middle of China, just openly sharing Christ. I mean, it's amazing. This is one of the videos that um, we show. John's just going to show you just a little snippet of it, just so you get a feel of the thing that we can take and share with them. And this is in uh, Bunu, which is the uh, minority group that we go to up the hills. This one's in Mandarin. And you'll know that, won't you? Yeah. (laughs) Colin might. Do you speak Mandarin? No. Cantonese? No. So this is all filmed in our local area. So this is where we drive. You can see once you get out of the city, it's very, very hilly, and the farming is really hard. This really speaks to the locals because a lot of them get really um, very anxious that they have to have enough money to buy the cow to sacrifice when they're answered. When the, if my mother dies, I'd have to buy a cow and sacrifice it. And it is really expensive. 
Um, so, so what they've done is they've looked at what is their culture and they've spoken that into the video. And they've said, you don't need to do this anymore because God has done it for you. Yeah. And a lot of people are becoming Christians so they don't have to buy cows anymore. No, again, it's, it's what speaks to the people, isn't it? So we have this in um, a number of different dialects. Because when you go, when we, where we are up in the hills, um, we work mainly with the Bunu. Um, but some of them speak Gwilio Hua, which is a completely different dialect. So we usually play one, and if they go, oh, hmm, okay, okay try Gwilio, and we try the next one, and they see the same thing again in a different dialect. And then if that doesn't work, we'll show it in Mandarin. Um, so it's whatever speaks to them. And that, that's been really, really good to be able to take those because they, they look at it and they go, wow, they're speaking my language. Wow. And, they, and so we usually show it three or four times because the first time they're just so excited that anything is in their language. The second time they kind of tune in a little bit. And the third time they really hear it. And then we'll go through it with them and say, what did you understand about that? And we'll just explain it a little bit more to them. Um, many of you have been walking with us with this lady. This is the lady who was in the bamboo cage. She's now free from the cage. Um, this l- that one, yeah. The one, no, the one next to Dad. Yeah, no, that one. This is Shalom, the, one, the little girl that was, was dying and we went up and fed all that time ago. She's now, as you can see, really, really good. She's so healthy. Um, she's doing really well. And mum now has the, the, the new baby, David, Rachel called her. Um, they're doing really well. And what's happened since we were here last is because of funding that's come, we've been able to, make, to build them a house. Um, I don't know how to build houses. My father does. Yeah? Um, so I, had, I didn't have a clue. So what we did was we looked at, we, we asked around the area, and we worked with some local brothers to go in and build the house for them. And the first time we took them in, the brothers said, well, is he a Christian? I said, well, he's, he's heard the gospel a lot, and you know, we've, been, we've pray, been praying with him, and they've, you know, I, I kind of think that they understand, but I, they haven't actually said the prayer. And he's like, oh, well, I can't build a house then. And I said, hey, wait a minute. I said, he speaks your language, because this local brother was Bunu. So I said, you go in, speak to him, pray with him, and then build him a house. And he said, oh, okay then. So we went into the little house. This is their old house. That's their old house. So the brother went in the house, sat with him, said, you know, what do you know about God? And he'd already heard, you know, he'd heard the gospel, so he shared what he knew. And the brother said, yep, that's right. You want to pray? Yeah, I'll pray. Okay, pray. So he prayed, accepted God, and then the brother came out and said, hmm, build him a house now. (laughs) And so they have this fantastic house just beside them. Um, It's been a real struggle. They've... Um, this house is a miracle. There's houses in just down further, not not very far, about 500 meters away. There's other houses that have taken five years to build and they're still not finished. And the reason being is there's no water in the village, and they need the water to make the they make all the bricks in the village. So they need the water to make the bricks, and they only have enough water to survive. So if there's ever enough, then they'll make a few bricks each year. And what we did was we bought water from another village and we carried water into this village so that they could make bricks um, by donkey. 
So the donkeys literally carry water, buckets of water in, so we can make bricks for the house. It's just finished now. Um, and now they have this pipe here running alongside is actually water that they're collecting on the roof and they're coming down. And for the first time ever, I've seen them at their house washing clothes. Brilliant. Um, they haven't moved in yet because they're waiting for a special day, which is when the boy will start school and then they will all move in. But they are using the house. You see loads of villages like this with bricks lying all over the place, waiting for enough to build a house. And we were able to buy, um, I know many of you bought the Christmas presents, we were able to purchase goats for this family as well. And now they've got a little kid as well. It's really cute. So they're doing really, really well. When you build a sorry, go back. When you build a house in the village, what normally happens is that they'll sacrifice a chicken, and the the witch doctor will come and they'll do all this stuff over the doors, and they'll sacrifice a chicken and they'll spread the chicken blood all over the house, all around the house, as a a blessing and to keep any evil spirits away. What we did was we went and had communion in their house, and the family met with us. We all sat there and we all had communion in the house as a let's let's bless this house. This is God's house. And that was a really special time, that with the first time that all the family sat there and we all had communion. We've had communion in their old house many times, praying over them, but never together with them as the same family. This is the um, little girl with cerebral palsy who lives further up the village. Um, I know many of you read uh, back in February, I think it was, when I was there, Chinese New Year. I didn't think she was going to survive. Um, Rita. 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 Um, I really thought she was going to die at Chinese New Year. She was under a blanket and she was just not moving at all. And I said to the mum, if you're not feeding her, she's going to die. You've got to give her water at the very least. And the mum, who's 25 years old, she turned to me and said, I don't care, let her die. She's no use to me. Let them both die. There's Rita and Joy, both very severely disabled with cerebral palsy. I've tried for many, many times to take them out of the village, set them up, and they're not interested, um, which is heartbreaking for us. Um, but you can only do what they allow you to do. Um, at this point, when Rita was so sick, I called a local sister and said, what do I do? It just doesn't, doesn't sit well to leave this kid to die in the village. And she said to me, you have to leave her. If you take her and she dies, you, they will just come after you so much and you, you know they just ask you for more and more money especially being foreigners so um, that was the hard, one of the hardest things I had to do was leave her in the village I went back the week before we came here so two weeks ago went back just to see how they were doing and she's still there and she, I held her for over an hour and she it's the first time I've been able to hold her without her crying and um, was able to get water down there. So I don't know what her future is. They're both very severely disabled. This little girl beside her is her cousin, and she's one that's now her, one of her main carers. Um, they're, they're all girls, but they just had the, sh the hair shaved that day because of lice. <laughs> okay, cool. we got other photos at the back if you want to see the others. Um, the other big change since we were here last is our new centre. What happened was, um, because of all the restrictions on um, 
foreigners, how, how foreigners operate in China. One of the things that we've had for the last eight years is a representative office. We have a, a company in Hong Kong, and we've been able to have a, an office in Nanning under um, a representative office, which means you're meant to just be look-see, look meant to look around and see what kind of business you can set up. You're only meant to have that for two years. We've had it for the last eight years. And so last year we felt um, we're pushing it a bit to ask again. So rather than them come find us, we thought we'd close that office, shut it all down. We've still got the opportunity if we want to reopen in a different area in Hong Kong. That's, those papers are all still open. But what we did was we closed it all down and we opened. We needed somewhere to meet. So we opened um, the Mishkan. Mishkan means what, Uncle George? Do you know what Mishkan means? Who knows what Mishkan means? No, it doesn't. Ha! Ha! doesn't. The Mishkan is the Hebrew name for the tabernacle. And basically, it's the Holy of Holies within the tabernacle in Hebrew is called the Mishkan. And it's where the Shekinah glory came down. And it was where Moses met with God and where God communed with his people. And my heart has always been to have a place where the hurt, the broken, the needy, the poor, whatever, could come in and meet with God. Um, originally, it was just my own personal space. Um, and I always wanted it to be purple. I don't know why. For me, purple spoke of the, the majesty of God, the royalty of God. But now we have a center, and it's called the Mishkan. Um, and it's where, um, this is my counseling room. I've been doing a lot of training in counseling. Oh, long story short. Um, basically, camp is a huge counseling ground, isn't it? People come from their broken homes. They come with all their stuff. And they go to camp where nobody knows them. And they go, and then they go home and they hopefully have better life. And so that's always been our ministry. So for me, I feel like our ministry hasn't changed an awful lot. Instead of having 40 kids, 60 kids come and go, blah, and an overseas team who also have been very needy, um, instead of having that, we now have people who have grown up through camps who have gone, I need help with my marriage, or I have a problem, um, can you meet with me? Brothers and sisters in the church who are just being hurt by the church are coming and saying, hey, can you, there's nobody I can talk to. There's nobody I can talk to. So I've been meeting with them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and my heart, my, my prayer is that people will come into the Mishkan and be like the Hebrew Mishkan of old, that they will come and commune with God and God will speak to them and they will go out new and refreshed. And it's happening. Yay! It's so cool. I just feel like, I just sit there and God does his stuff. It's amazing. I don't even work anymore. No, that's not true. But, <laughs> you know, it's amazing. You just sit with people in, in whatever need they have, and God ministers to them, and God speaks to them, and they're going out healed and moving on in their life. Um, one of the things that we've, I've been using is a thing called sand tray therapy, and I know a lot of you have questions about that. Basically, it's a tray of sand, and you have um, all these little miniatures on the shelves, and it's... It, you know, if, if you go, oh, tell me your deepest, darkest problem, it's really, whoa, you know? I don't want to tell you anything. So what they do is you take it out and you put it into a 3D form in the sand. And so 
Um, one sister, for instance, came for me and said, God is not speaking anymore. I was like, wow, God's not speaking anymore. It's not what my Bible says. but. And so I said, hey, do you want to come and meet? Let's, let's ask him. So she came to the Mishkan, and we just prayed and said, God, you're not speaking anymore. I really want you to really pray that you would speak to this sister t- today. Um, and then she just picked, I just say, pick things off the shelf, anything that jumps out of you. You know, when you read a, 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 a verse and you've read it time, you read that passage so many times, and then, whoop, wow, that, passage, that verse jumps out at you, and you know it's God speaking to you for today. That's the kind of thing. So they take things off the shelf, they put it into the sand tray, and it makes a 3D form, and they look at it, and they go, wow, yeah, that's what he's saying. Yeah, and they get healing. It's really good for, for people who've gone through deep trauma in their life. They get healing from it. They get revelation. It's basically them doing their own counseling because they can see it um, looking down on it, and they can see where, what they need to do. So it's been really, really effective. Um, and I've been doing training in other area, in, in different places, taking this and, and training others for that. In October, I've got, I'm attending a Christian, a CCCC, Chinese Christian Counseling Conference, which will have over 300 people from all over China, all Christians, all doing counseling or interested in counseling, all working in the church, and I'm teaching them how to do Santre. Yeah. Yeah, why? I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's a really good tool to have. Um, the thing is, um, we, we have worship nights. As an extension of people coming meeting one-on-one, they, so many people go, I need to have, I need to, um, have more of a, a relationship with God. I need to get back into communion with God. And so what started as a, a thing for our team, we were meeting once a month as having open worship, we now open it up to people who've been through some counseling things, and it's become almost a natural extension from when they get to so they, they get so far in their counseling sessions, they get healing, and then they go, "I need this," and so they come on a Friday, on a Saturday night, and we just have open, open worship, and we'll just open it up, and it'll be prayer, it'll be worship, it'll just be listening to God. It'll, every time is very different, and but every time people are really being blessed from that. Um, um, this is a, another foreign team who are working in our city who are having issues at the moment. When you get um, different uh, nationalities working together, different church backgrounds working together, different cultures working together, it, it, it causes some problems. So this team were having a few hiccups, and they came and we did a group sand tray, and we're working through some things for them, just in a, another form of team building for them. And they're now doing really well. Yeah, the, the Mishkan is, um, is, is not just about the counselling. It's actually it's, it's a training centre. We've um, run some um, different seminars in there. Uh, the, um, we've actually decided that we've outgrown it already. And, and this is part of our, our, our next step, where we see God is taking us in a new season. That um, because of the changes in, in the laws regarding charities, um, we feel that we need to be able to establish ourselves um, as a, a business again. And um, what we're hoping to do is become a, a counselling and training centre. 
and which will give us the opportunity not only to do um, Claire to continue counselling, but also that we continue to have training people coming in, but also we can go out uh, and go to different areas and continue to do the village work. So it, it would be an umbrella that we continue to do different uh, ministry in the community. And also that it would give us legitimacy uh, and that people can see that we are a Christian business. Uh, I'm very much encouraged to see um, business as mission because it's not just about the message that we give, but it's, it's people see how you uh, run your business, and that can influence um, the community around us. There's a lot of corruption. Um, whenever we go to buy anything in China, you're asked, do you want a, a fa piao? Do you need a receipt? How much do you want your receipt made out for? Yeah? And that's, that's common practice. Um, and so those are the sort of things that, as a Christian business, we can um, start to change people's mindsets. Um, so we'd really just ask you to, to pray into that about how that we would have favour to be able to establish this um, next step, but also that we would have wisdom to know where God is leading us. Um, there are so many opportunities, but it's knowing what is of God and what, um, where he wants to take us. We've spoken a lot, and there's probably questions or, or you would like to know or, or things that we haven't mentioned that you might like to know. Before I say that, we'll just pray for our... Oh, we're going to do prayer in a moment, actually, because our team is still running camps. Um, and they, are, they have a, an activity this, this weekend for um, um, a, a local Chinese school, um, so they'll be doing that over the weekend. And then we have two programs in the summer, um, so we can just remember the team. Yeah. Um, is there any questions um, for uh, both of us? <laughs> Yeah. Um, a very, um, you know, in you can be in a mountain region, and it could be a, just a small village, and they will have their own um, dialect. It would be a sub dialect um, of one that is spoken, so they can communicate um, within that area. Um, but then you could be, um, you know, fifty miles down the road and. People would not be able to understand them. Yeah, it's a bit like when you go to Brixham, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John That attitude has changed, I would say, in the last 10 years. Um, obviously, when we first moved to China, that was very prevalent. Um, you could see um, the, the, the numbers of boys in, um, and girls in the class. Um, you know, I forget what the figures were. It's on like out of 110 boys, there would be only 100 girls you know, across the country. Um, Families now, uh, they see the benefit. There's been a lot of um, propaganda, that's probably the wrong word, but there's been a lot of encouraging news to, to entice people or encourage people to, to value girls, and we're seeing that um, across the country. Uh, one child policy actually has been abolished now yeah. um, so, um, because they, they, they sense, well, they see the need of that disparity between um, women. Obviously, there's, because of that, there is a lot more homosexuality, um, 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 stolen brides, um, obviously, um, because men are finding it more difficult to actually find a partner 
um, so they're, they're traveling to different um, parts of China to actually buy a bride. Um, so those are some major issues that are, um, China is facing at the moment. Um, but it's encouraging to see over the last 10 years, people have actually gone against that rule and, and actually if they can afford the fine or they will, they will basically hide a child. And we've seen a lot of... We have one sister. Um, she had her first girl um, and then she fell pregnant again. And she, as a, a believer, she, she knew that she couldn't get rid of that child. Um, and she went away and had the child. Um, but she couldn't... Her, she was quite high up in the government. So she knew that she couldn't actually care for the child herself. So her, her, um, her sister, isn't it, cares for... No, she, oh, no, she, 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 cares, she cares for... She cares for the child, but the child calls her auntie. Auntie. Mm-hmm. So there's her not... Her own daughter yeah. calls her auntie, and everybody outside knows that this is her auntie. Mm-hmm. But she, there's, she there's not that con- strong connection between them. As, you know, there's still, it's, she's obviously dealt as a slightly different relationship, yeah. So those are the sort of issues that people are having to deal with. John, when you talk about the team, yeah. what or who does that consist Okay, of? our team is, is, um, is changed recently. So at the moment, there's, there's Claire and myself, uh, and there's Pei, who is Singaporean. Um, previously, um, her husband, Tianhe, was with us, um, but he has decided that... Um, he wants to support. There's a local Christian school, and he's gone. He's just this year. He's he's um, decided he wants to go and work with them. So he's just left us. Uh, and then we have um, Hua, and who is the our deaf colleague, and then Herlasha, um, um, Doreen, who's a Hong Kong um, Chinese. Um, and then we have um, Sky, who works in Hong Kong for us as well. So she often will come up to the mainland. Yeah, we are looking. Um, in the coming year, there's a possibility that we would like to invite some other, um, particularly if we uh, start the counselling centre, to have more um, local workers with us. And that's our goal, is to actually build up local workers. Because we don't know how much longer we will be able to stay there, but we, th- we sense that the work is continuing. Um, so that's um, why we want to encourage more local workers into the team. Yeah. And the the you know, camps in the summer, would you have... Um Temporary help, as it were. Yeah, well, what we're, most of our activities now, we're actually partnering or, or, or uh, being invited by local organisations um, to provide more experience and expertise. And our goal is always to come alongside them um, and encourage them to run as much of the activity as possible. We'll provide resources, um, maybe run one or two of the activities so they get a feel for how to do it. And then they, you know, hopefully next year they'll run the camps on their own. Um, so um, this summer we'll have, I think it's about four of our staff will work alongside this charity. And, and they have a core team, but then they invite other um, brothers and sisters to join them as well. So, yeah, we're finding that there's less and less, from our point of view, I know there are a lot of um, overseas teams that go into the mainland, but we're using less and less overseas teams and, and trying to encourage the local church to, to rise up when they are. Um, I, f- I didn't mention part of our training is actually um, training local um, churches and fellowships to run their own camps. Um, this summer we have um, a group of six who are going to Laos um, to, to run a camp in, in Laos for um, the church there. There's, a lot, there's quite a large Chinese community in Laos, but they're, they're reaching 
a mixture of um, local and Chinese. Yeah. I think the main change for us is when we started doing camps, nobody in China was doing camps. Now, camps are everywhere. And that's been a big shift in the education. When we started doing it, people say to what do you want the kids to play for? There's no point in playing. They need extra Chinese, they need extra English lessons, extra maths. That's what they need to be doing. And so to play was, was out there. But now there's been a huge shift in education and people, the teachers and the government have said, actually, children learn through play. And so lots of local people are doing camps now. And so, and that's great for us, because you know, I can't do it anymore. Seriously, you know, when I look back and look what we were doing, five or six camps, bang, 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 or something, it was ridiculous, didn't it? It was crazy. Um, and so we physically can't do that anymore. And so for us, it's great that we can see the locals picking it up, if you like, and saying, yeah, we want to do this, come and teach us. Because we, we do have experience of doing it for a number of years, you know, and so it's great that we can come and encourage them to do it. And it's always going to look different, and that, that's important. Mm. You know, we don't want to be, make mini clairs or anything. We want to get them to have their own um, look on it. Mm. But we can help them, encourage them and do it themselves. It's brilliant. I miss it. I miss the big camps, I must say. But it's, it's good that the locals are now doing it for themselves. Mm. The other thing that you mentioned was the training was um, with the church, sending out. Oh, yeah, I, I thought I'd mention that. You know, we, we were talking about that um, back to Jerusalem and the, um, the outreach to Asia. Um, we were invited to, to work with the, the Free Self Church. As I said, they were, they're going to send out or have from their short-term mission trips, they're actually starting to, to place, and uh, they place one couple in Cambodia, and they're hoping to send some more out to Thailand and to, um, to Vietnam. And they invited us to be, um, do some training with them. And there's about six of us who are working together to, to run a, um, a program. So it's helping them to... They, they, what happened was that the church sent these t- first two workers out, and they, they got burnt out, they had culture shock, um, they had difficulties working with um, the locals, and they said, "Oh, and they realised that they they hadn't prepared them." So we've run um, two training programs now. Uh, first was for about fifty uh, members of the church as like an introduction to missions. Why mission? What is mission? Um, how do you protect yourself? Um, you know, how do you um, keep your walk with God on the field? Um, uh, how do you have a support team, a prayer team, um, and then? On the second um, part, we actually went deeper with um, about 10 to 15 who were specially selected, and, and they will be the ones that will actually be going further. Um, so hopefully we have one more session, and then they will go to the mission field next year. So which is, it's, you know, it's, it's exciting to see that church really um, has a passion to, to reach out to the countries around them. Some of them are. Some of the, well, you know, a lot of the Asian countries are actually. Um, this was one of the issues. They're going to um, the Muslim communities. Um, so that that's part of the Battle of Jerusalem. Is you know, it's along the Silk Route. So it's all the uh, you know, Islamic countries that they're facing. Um, so it's it's not easy for for them. Um, the, predominantly, they will go into a Chinese community. So that there's not so much culture shock, but still, even you know, going into a foreign country. 
You know, it's the same for us. Even as Westerners going into a foreign country where we have Western connection, there's still you know, friction and, and, and difficulties to face. Any more questions? You mentioned uh, through the evening a number of, of charities and, and, and that you work alongside. And, and I mean, are you allowed uh, to, I mean, do the charities raise their money the same as charities here would? Do you get gift aid from the government? No. Uh, um, until recently, Ch- Chinese, there was no Chinese charities. It's only in the last three or four years that they've actually been able to establish charities. And this is part of the, the new um, push forward with this new law, that they're trying to um, reduce Western influence by raising up more Chinese charities. And they've allowed them to actually get tax exemption now um, within, um, in China. There's nothing like gift aid. It would just be that they, that they don't have to pay any taxes. Um, so they, they you know... Um, I think it was about four or five years ago, one of the Western char- um, charities was trying to raise funds uh, and they, you know, it, was, it was not allowed at all, whereas now the local charities are able to do that you know, by you know, doing different fundraising events. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it is just, you know, from, particularly for the churches, it's just gifts through the church. Yeah. John, where do you see yourself in, say, five, ten years' time? This is our big pair point. Well, I'd like to see myself on the beach in Hawaii, but no. <laughs> no, um, no. Um, that's, that's, that is our biggest question at the moment. Um, and honestly, I don't know how to answer that. Um, yeah. A big matter for prayer. Yeah, particularly for these guys. Um, you know, they're, they're just starting the GCSEs and... Um, where they go from there, you know, we, we, we know they're in God's hands, and I think that's the only way we can step forward. Um, our heart is still in China, um, but we've never, you know, we've always said that the day that he wants to take us out of there, we will come freely. Um, <laughs> it's a choice with you. Choice, I would stay, I think. Yeah, I, feel, I still see the need, even though the role is different. Um, obviously, the tugs with family. Yeah, our, our family situation. My family situation at the moment is um, is, is quite sensitive. Yeah. Um, so I can't answer that one. Yeah. I got a dawn doing tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not, not joking. I mean, China, China changes so quickly. Um, you know, we've said for the last. We don't know. You don't know. China changes so quickly. There's so many of our missionary friends that have left in the last six months because they cannot stay there any longer. And so what we're doing now is you have to be creative. You know, you can't just say, I'm going to do this and that's what I'm going to do. You have to keep changing and saying, what, what is the next platform that God is giving us to allow us? You know, and I keep saying, God, what do you want? And he hasn't said, come back yet. And so until he says go, we stay, you know, and we do what he, he allows us to do. Um, so it's really hard to say. It's getting harder. Um, it's getting harder to see parents here get older. Um, that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's hard. Sorry. It's hard to see it, 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 your 
maybe here and go and saying, God, do you want to are we meant to be back here nursing parents or are we oh and he, and he hasn't said come back. So that's hard. Um, you know, they don't need nursing yet, they're alright. <laughs> John's John's mother is very severely ill right now. Um, I don't know whether she'll make it through the summer yet, we'll see. But um, but that's hard, you know. The other thing is it's getting harder just to be there. And I can't explain that to you. Um, you know, we went out to Hong Kong the other day and I was like, whoa, I can breathe. It was, it was, it was the first time that I really felt like, whoa, it's like something had been lifted and you could breathe. Um, a local sister of mine went to Macau uh, recently and she came back to our province and she said as soon as she came back, she felt like, hmm, I've gone back. Um, and I don't know how to describe it to you, except when I was thinking about this, I thought the only way I can describe it is if you all hold hands, all hold hands with each other, and bend down, so as far as you can go, and, what, and pull, pull down on the person's hand next to you, so pull them down. And as you're pulling down, you try and stand up, so keep pulling on that person, and you try and stand. It's like somebody is pulling you down the whole time. Yeah, and I can't explain that to you. You have to be under it to, to know yeah. that. Yeah, this is spiritual. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's not just it's not in waves anymore. It's constant, and it's constant like oh man, I've got to get out of bed, and I've got to. Oh, you've got to remember, God, God is your. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I know that, but we live in this. I know that. I know we have a bit. I've read the end of the book. We win. <laughs> but we live in it day after day after day, and it's wearing and it's tiring. You know? And it's. Would that be the same for a non Christian person? I don't know. No, because they don't have that, do they? But it's happening with the local Christians as well. You know? And so what we're doing is we're trying to be lifting them up, and we're going. Whoa, man, you know, it's, it's hard, and I don't know how to get that, I don't know how to explain it until you live in it, and it's like, it's like living like this the whole time, and you just want to go like this, you know, and you can't quite get there, because, and I don't know what it is, and yes, we do have awesome prayer times, awesome times of just coming through, and they go on all night sometimes, you know, because when, when we, when, when People come to the Mishkan on, on Saturday night. It's <coughs> after 8 o'clock, and, and there's no end. We don't go, oh, we're going to be 8 till 9. We go, we're going to be to 8, and we'll finish when God has said what he wants to say to us. And so we'll go on all night, and that's happening in many, many house groups. They have an all-night prayer meeting, all-weekend prayer meeting, until they feel like, yes, I've got what I need to go for for the week. We're tired. Still breathe at the moment. I mean, the, the, the pollution is bad, but it's not like Beijing or anything. 
you say something about your youngsters? About what? Your youngsters. My youngsters, my youngsters are gorgeous, aren't they? <laughs> Rachel is beautiful. I'm, I'm really proud of them. They, they live, I mean, they, they were born there, obviously, and they've lived under this the whole time. Um, I think for them, the hardest thing has been friendship. Um, they do, they're still on internet, internet school, so when some of them, most of the foreigners, there aren't a lot of foreign kids in our city, so the ones that are there are mostly homeschooled, and most of them do day school. My kids do internet school on UK time, so they go to school at half past four in the afternoon and go through till one o'clock in the morning. Um, so it's really hard to get friends, you know, at friendship time, just because of school clashes. Um, but I'm really pleased with the, the youth group. They have an awesome youth group, don't you? And they changed their time to a Saturday morning so that these two could attend. And they're, they're a really good group, and they spend all day Saturdays together now, and they go off and do things. Jachi, Rachel, has been on two mission trips. She sings in the, um, the band, in the choir. Um, ben is our drummer and AB man. He does all the do with that but all those that box that goes like this <laughs> he does that in the church um, so i'm really pleased they you know they've grown up and now they're learning to serve in the church as well it's lovely to see them here Yeah, just really pray for them. You know, the, you know, the future is, is unknown, and, and you know, I, the world is their oyster. They are very gifted young people, even though they don't feel it sometimes. Uh, and God has blessed us. You know, when, when he gave us twins, we, we saw that you know, that was a blessing in itself. And, and you know, they have been an amazing key. And they, I think it was, um, I'll share this quick story. They, they've been able to go on a... Um, a um, a retreat, a, a young retreat which is in the next province and they catch the train um, with their friends and on the way back there was a blind guy who got on the train and they, they helped him um, and Ben and, and Rachel and their friends and they were able to communicate and they just got chatting on the train and, and they helped the guy off the train and yeah, oh, they, yeah, you prayed for them didn't you and you prayed for him on the train and we didn't realise that there's a lady in our church, and, and she's just been baptised this year, but she's been coming to our church. And that guy knew this lady, and she phoned him, phoned her uh, uh, that evening and says, I met these amazing young people, and they prayed for me. And, I, yeah, and he came, did he come to the church in the end, didn't he? And he came to all the meetings. And so, yeah, they, um, God has a hand on their, their heart. Yeah. So prayer, because um, we've, we've talked enough. Unless anybody's got a burning question, I will answer it. Always, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> you, you relax. You play a game, game of golf or something like that, don't you? I. It all work. No, we have fun. We don't have as much fun as we'd like. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, we find we try and find ways to.
to get out and, and you know, de-stress. I, yeah, I, I, I've taken up triathlon. That's my, my passion at the moment, to, to run, to cycle, to swim. And, so, uh, and I've, I've been able to get into um, a group so that I see that as another opportunity to, to meet with people. You know, these guys have taken up jiu-jitsu. Uh, so they can beat me up, um, <laughs> I think. Um, you know, Claire has... Uh, what's your passion? To meet, you know, meet with your friends and, and get out. Yeah, so we do. There's ways to de-stress. And, and, you, know, um, you need it, I think, otherwise. Yeah. 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 yeah, we need our time with the Lord, but also I think our, our, our love is to get out into the countryside and just... Uh, to see it, and we wish we could do that more. Um, yeah. Auntie Mary had a question. Sorry, Auntie Mary. <laughs> no, I wondered about the house that you built. Yeah. Can you just take, you know, just go out and take them and take control of the No, we, no. Um, we had to ask... Yeah. What happened with that family was um, they... The house that they have, the, the shack that they have, is on somebody else's land. And we had to ask um, the, the chief of the, um, the village um, for permission to take the, that piece of land to build the house upon. At the moment, it's still... Actually, since we built the house, the government has been into the village. Uh, and they've, they've been going over all the villages. And they've actually um, have done like a census and, and marked all the houses... So this might change, but previously it was down to the, the chief and he would assign pieces of land. Everything is government land. Every, you know, um, nobody owned, after Mao Zedong, nobody owned anything. It was all distributed. Um, and even if you buy a house in China, it's only for a lease. You have 70 years. I think the, the longest is 70 years, and then it will go back. Um, yeah. Um, so the the chief agreed that they could take that piece of land, and, and so yeah, so they don't own the they own the bricks. Well, we own the bricks. Well, God, God owns the bricks. <laughs> yeah. Um, pair points. Um, yeah. Obviously, please pray pray for China. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, their influence and um, is going to move, but we just really sense that God will will move China. In other ways, the church is becoming so uh, not strong, but um, is is rising, and I think that will have. They will. I think there may even be persecu- greater persecution on the church before it can break free. Um, so we pray for the leadership in the church um, and vision for the church. Um, pray for us. Pray we would have wisdom to know how to move forward. Pray for favor, um, particularly when we, if we. Um, do try to sell this business. I believe that if, if this is God's will, that, that he would go before us and he would have all the papers chopped and signed. Uh, everything you know, depends on the chop. Yeah? You've got to have the right chop or the right relationship. Our vehicle has been amazing, and that was such a blessing. Uh, we struggled for a long time to, that we, we used to hire vehicles, and, and we didn't really sense that we needed a vehicle. But since we've had a vehicle... It has taken us to amazing places, and uh, it's been a faithful servant, but it's getting a bit tired, like us, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and, yeah, um, pray that we might be able to replace that one. Um, our village friends, um, you've seen the pictures, it's, yeah, um, the conditions that they live in, but some ways I think that they often have more joy 
than the people in the cities. Um, yeah. Do you want to share about Shaobo? Um, Shaobo is a new baby that um, has just entered our team yesterday. Um, Pepe, our Singaporean uh, worker, she called me yesterday and said she's just um, started a foster agreement for this baby. Basically, Shaobo's story is um, his mum... While pregnant, her husband had um, stomach cancer and died, um, and the baby has got severe thalassemia, which is a form of anemia, very, very severe. A lot of Asians have it, um, but it's what, that one where you need the total blood transfusion. Um, they don't do that in China. There is no treatment for it. And so she was, the mother was told while she was 36 weeks pregnant to abort the baby. Because of the grief situation with her husband, just losing her husband, she agreed at 36 weeks to abort her child, and the nurse put it out in the corridor. She came back the next day, and the baby was still breathing in the corridor. So the nurse stole the baby and took the baby home and started feeding it, and has asked for NGO help, a uh, 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 charity help. And so Pepe yesterday answered that call and has taken... I don't have a picture yet because it's just on here, but there's a little Shabo, little baby boy. As you can see, he's quite severely jaundiced. Um, Prey, they're looking for overseas adoption at the moment. So Pepe and her family have taken him in and are nursing him at the moment. Um, but he needs overseas adoption if he's going to survive because there isn't the treatment available for him. So pray for Shabo and Pepe and Tianha, Karin and Seth, if that's yeah. easy to remember. Um, and yeah, pray for Ben and Rachel's uh, studies, uh, future, um, but pray for, pray for our family in, in general. You know, particularly pray for my mum and my dad. Um, my dad just had a cataract operation um, week before last, and so he's at home on his own. And uh, yeah, yeah, just pray for him. <laughs> we left him on Friday night, Saturday night, Saturday morning. He called us and said, "Oh, the fire engine turned up." <laughs> so you leave him for a few hours and you've yeah. already got the emergency yeah. services out on. <laughs> okay. One or two people would like to pray, and then um, I, I apologise that we, every time we come, it's just as well we only come every two years because I think we always overstay our welcome. <laughs> Father, we just pray now this evening for the church there in that vast country of China. And we pray for many Christians there. Many of them will be going through persecution. 
our humble prayers tonight that they will know and feel your presence with them in a very special way. And that through it all they will somehow experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. We thank you again for John and Claire and Ben and Rachel. Thank you for keeping him safe and well through the many years. We just pray you'll be with them with the family. That you'll bless them in every way, naturally and spiritually as well. And Father, we can't measure what they've achieved in China, but you can. And we know they've been tremendous things. They're doing tremendous things in your name. Father, we ask you just bless all those who've been touched with the love of the Lord Jesus, especially the Chinese people in the villages. And Father, as even guide the family in future days, mm. and again we pray for your undertake for them in every way. For we ask it as always in the precious name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the clarity of the report that we've heard this evening. We feel in some small way that we have been to China tonight. Help us to uh, remember China in our prayers. Help us to remember the difficulties, but also the joys. Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ is being lifted in that country. And men and women and youngsters are trusting in Jesus. Father, we thank you that we've heard something of the uh, Asian countries as well, and the move for Chinese believers to go out to other countries nearby and to tell them of Jesus and his love for them. Father, we thank you that in the Lord Jesus Christ we have something in common with these Chinese Christians, and we pray that as we uh, praise and worship your name for Jesus, that they will be doing the same. We pray for the church there for this um, new activity center, the Mishkan as well. And Father, we pray that um, it is your will that it is replaced by a bigger building. Um, we pray that you will provide. You will provide in your time. And 
for your purpose and for your glory. Indeed.